Welcome to TC Tiawi Talks, Tia Chucha Centro Cultural, located on Tataviam land in the northeast San Fernando Valley, is rooted in ancestral knowledge, culture, the arts, literacy, and social justice as a means to personal and communal transformation. It is a place where hearts and minds have united for change for over 19 years. Join us as we share the stories of personal transformation and our understanding of the world that unites us as a community. We must remember that another world has always been possible. Tiawi, a Nahuatl word for adelante, to move forward. Like a spiral, together we move towards a better future, cognizant of the resiliency we carry from our past. Thank you for tuning in to Tiawi Talks. We have special guest, uh, El Hormiguero. My name's Rebecca. I work at the Achuchas. Um, my pronouns are she, her, hers. And today's introduction question is, besides introducing ourselves with name and pronouns, uh, what's something that brings you joy? And uh, I'll just start and say my dogs bring me joy. I call them my little sh- sunshines because they really, for real, like, I can feel that that song. You know that song where people talk about your sunshine, whatever? That's like, they give me a lot of joy, so. Hi, everyone. My name is Karina Ceja. I also go by Ceja. My pronouns are she, her, hers. And I agree that... Um, uh, our dog or Bestia's dog, Sholo, brings me joy. But more recently, um, I've been enjoying just sitting in the sun and like just, you know, allowing myself to take in the sunlight um, almost when I can. But that's kind of like my nice like break during the day. Thank you. Mm-hmm. See. I can go next. Um, my name is Alexis Montoya, also known as Lechis, uh, pronouns she, hers, hers, and nature uh, brings me joy. Yeah, I love being outdoors. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So my name is Marcos. Um, usually, wow, that sounds weird. Uh, usually known as Bestia. I use they, them pronouns. And um, at the moment, one thing that brings me joy is the simplicity of being able to accomplish a task. Um, So I feel like even if it's just minimal, being able to accomplish it brings me joy. Mm, That's a good one. Hello, everyone. My name is Bryant, uh, also known as Fanda. Uh, My pronouns are he, him, his. And if I were to say one thing that brings me joy right now is seeing the light and finishing my dissertation. Mm, great, thank you all. Um, thanks again for, uh, for taking the time to meet uh, today and just to share. Um, so I was thinking about how we met um, and I don't know if y'all remember, but I was remembering that the, I think what, how I met, uh, I think I met Lechis and Marcos first at a Mecha thing. Um, that was really connected to Mecha the Seaside um, as an undergrad. And I went to Cal Poly Pomona, so I was a Mechista over there. So um, I went to, uh, um, I think it was, 
maybe a meeting or the Cal's the statewide conference. But I remember uh, Luis. I don't know if you remember. You remember Luis? Um, I don't know if you remember Luis. But he he introduced me to y'all like back a long time ago. I can't even remember when that statewide was happening. I think it was a statewide. But I remember uh, meeting Marcos and and Lechi's first um, back then. Um, and then later on, um, I think. Uh, let's see what else I, I wrote that so let me see I and then and then I just kept seeing you all on the because I was very involved in Mecha spaces at least yeah Mendoza yeah um, so shout out to Luis because he, he was just a really nice person that really uh, he was part of uh, Mecha this season so he introduced me to y'all and then on um, I remember seeing y'all like at other Mecha stuff like at nationals and I think that's when y'all were doing some uh presentation on uh what y'all do over in arizona um that's another thing and then i don't remember but i, f I feel like there's some it's kind of funny because my memory like I, I feel like i have bad memories but i just remember these moments really well but then um i remember meeting Bryant later or i think i met him uh, at the achuchas because one of the machistas was interning there and he, he introduced me to Bryant. So I kept meeting you all in different spaces and, and then going to, we met early. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we met, I don't know. It, oh, you know, cause I, I went, would go to the, I went to the Chuchas a couple of times before I graduated. So, um, and then, yeah, we were met there and then we had the, you know, I saw you all at the Arizona and I'm trying to think of when I met or got more, get to know, like say how more, uh, but I think it was probably during those times too when we went to the national conference. And then um, as an undergrad, I wasn't living in um, Pacoima yet. And then um, once I moved to Pacoima, I was getting more involved with things. And I would just go to your y'all's house a lot and go to all those workshops and like different things like that, see y'all in actions and um, just get to know y'all over the years. And I, that's when it became a blur because I feel like we had a lot of different interactions in that way. Um, I think I might have had my first fandango there um, for sure. So, yeah, that's pretty much my. I remember the breakdown, but um, so I don't know if y'all have comments, but like maybe say if y'all don't mind saying a little bit more of what y'all do and what you're all about. Um, Seth. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. No. Thank you. I um, I do remember you. Uh, I think when I, I first first remember you, you came to an event at the house, and I can't remember which one, but I remember you sitting uh, where you were sitting specifically, and I remember that's when like that's my first memory of like seeing you. Um, but um, but yeah, so somos um, el hormiguero, and we are a collective, and that means that we are a group of people that work together towards an agreed upon goal, and. Um, we work on a um, consensus-based, like decision-making process, in order to, you know, make sure that all of us have a voice. Uh, we are both, you know, organizers, but also just live together in a collective way. So um, that's pretty much what we've been doing for the past ten years now. Um, what inspired? I guess, like, I'm really curious of the name how that came to be um it's a, somebody had like an idea or how did that even get the proposed um i don't know if it was better to ask for that one 
Um, I think that's something, you know, that took time. Uh, the name itself um, didn't come till maybe, you know, six months to even a year later after a meeting and just kind of beginning kind of de uh, to define for ourselves what the collective process was going to look like for us. And so even within that, you know, we began probably about six months prior to that, uh, prior to us moving in together February 2011, we began to uh, meet. Um, and then um, Seha was kind of the main one to have the idea of, you know, being able to have or, um, or build on a space with other kind of collective folks, um, specifically from the Valley. Um, and then, you know, some of us kind of knew each other from undergraduate uh, work, others kind of you know, like you were mentioning earlier, we met in organizing spaces here in the Valley. And so then from there, you know, just kind of sparked the conversation about, you know, what it would it look like to have a space uh, for ourselves that we get to define and that we get to see flourish in terms of, you know, our own standards of, of the way that we would like to live. And so then that began the process of El Hormiguero, uh, like I said, maybe about six months prior to moving in in 2011. And then from there, you know, just kind of the, 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 the project evolved. And so we began to meet, we began to share about um, our pet peeves, we began to talk about, you know, what, um, you know, this collective of El Hormiguero can, can look like. And so um, the reason kind of the name came about is because we live in a, in a hill. And so uh, one of the things that we wanted, you know, to make sure that we encompass that, but at the same time, looking at specifically the work from the Zapatistas, right? So they identified three types of trabajo. Um, they identify the spider uh, work, they identify the ant work, um, and then the bee work. Um, and so maybe other folks can, you know, maybe talk a little bit more about, you know, what those different types of works look like, looks like, but we wanted to kind of really um, shine on the underground work, you know, the, the, um, the work that doesn't really get um, recognition. And so with that, we wanted to um, um, really kind of look at the uh, trabajo de hormiga or the work of the um, ant. And so then because we live in a hill that kind of embodied what El Hormiguero is oh, yeah. now or has been for the past decade? For the most part, when we started thinking about the, the ways of thinking that brought us together, um, the politics of how we understood our lived reality and our experience in the world, uh, what I think connected us all was definitely Zapatismo um, and you know, I think that was definitely a core of how we began to understand the type of work that we did, um, especially building on the concept of the hormiga, right? Is that like a, an, an anthill um, and a colony of ants doesn't do the work by itself, right? It takes multiple ants. And that's something that we learned from the Zapatistas is uh, how things are done in, in a horizontal and collective manner. Um, and in one way, our essence of resistance and saying no to these different forms of oppression um, was what drew us together, but the different ways that that could manifest also is what drew our initial creativity and kind of just took off the work in many different ways from projects to events to, um, to connections we did, we had with different communities in the LA area, the Valley and abroad. So Zapatismo definitely is at the core of our work. And um, 
and our political ideology. Yeah, I think also too, um, what, uh, what we were discussing in the beginning, um, you know, again, following Zapatismo ideologies, um, one thing that really stuck to me was that um, we got together for like one purpose, right? To, um, to create a world where, where like many worlds fit, right? So I think we wanted to, um, to make our home like a space, right? Like a safe space for, for us to be able to, to share, right? And um, so we could have workshop, educational workshops. You know, we had the, uh, we had like Sana's, right? The, the bicycle workshop, um, um, the garage, right? Like the, the project in the garage. Uh, and then we would like invite people to come over and then do healing circles, right? So a little bit of everything. Um, and then I think that was the main purpose, right? To, to bring the space and in a community where is rarely like seen, right? Because of like the lack of resources. Um, so I think that was also one of the main ideas, right? To, to create this home where, um, you know, a safe space specifically for people to be, to, you know, to feel safe, to feel welcome and to be able to come and, and learn or share knowledge as well. So I think that um, that's what, um, you know, we all had in common and then we we're like, um, you know, on board uh, towards creating um, this home this collective. That's cool. Um, I think that that's cool that you all had that um, similar, I guess, like, uh, I, you know, like being good with, with uh, understanding like the importance of what the Zapatistas are about and like in applying those kind of um, to those kind of lessons and within the setting that you all are living in and like being very creative with the, the workshops that y'all depending on had depending on the need of the community so um I'm just really curious too because I, I feel like a lot of like you all came from also this very similar roots um with Mecha so I don't know if y'all have any maybe something to add because uh did y'all meet because of that or like or what do you think about that like even that route <laughs> Is that the, one of the roots or was there something else that brought you all together too? It's, it's interesting that you say that because that's been a conversation that, that um, always kind of, um, you know, it's always, it's always a conversation to have. And so at least we actually, yeah, we're all mechistas uh, when it comes to um, Ceja, Lechis and myself, we all went to Cal State Northridge and we're all products of Mecha de Cison there. We all chaired and had other um, este responsibilities within the organization. Um, and then Brian also chaired at um, ASU. Um, and so, you know, although that's been um, something in terms of commonalities that we have, um, at least for myself, uh, uh, you know, I'll speak for myself. I am appreciative in terms of what I, I learned uh, within the organization um, and just kind of within the organizing and, and, and you know, um, in addition to having met all of y'all just through, through that organization. But, um, you know, it looks very different in terms of community. It looks very different in terms of collective living. Uh, and so we wanted to um, bridge 
um, kind of that gap in, in between kind of the academics and community and what that looks like, right? And so really understanding, how, you know, how do we bridge uh, or how do we connect kind of academia um, to community and kind of bridge it, uh, or I'm sorry, bring in those resources and what that looks like considering that we're all college educated and we all kind of have that kind of same background. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I appreciate that question, Rebecca. I think um, I think it's it's definitely um, our, all of our stepping stones, you know, that like really like brought us into this work. And even even um, myself, I even think Brian was like the national chair, right? And so um, myself, Lechis, and Marcos, we um, we chaired back to back at CSUN, right? It was me, then Marcos, and Lechis, and. Um, and I think I think what I know I started to tr to explore at the time back in like the early what was the early 2000s maybe that um, that idea of working horizontally right because Mecha was still very much a hierarchical organization and um, it works that way right and it's fine um, but I think those those beginnings started when we started learning about zapatismo and um, wanting to kind of you know, learn from them and replicate, you know, that same, that same structure. And I think that which leads us right to the next step, which was Zapatismo, which is the root of the work that we do. So, so yeah, they're all big stepping stones. Yeah, I definitely echo that, um, especially the idea of how Metro was a stepping stone. I feel like if it wasn't for my involvement in Mecha, um, whether it was at the local university level, the regional level, or the national level, I wouldn't have been able to connect with everyone in this conversation. Um, it was because of that that I was able to, you know, get to know, you know, Lechis or Alexis at the NMCC meeting in Oregon, or that how I got to meet uh, Bestia through um, through Arelia Mechista UCLA, or how I met Seja, you know, at um, one of the statewide here at PC, uh, PCC, um, or you, Rebecca, I'm remembering um, when we met, it was in Oregon too, at the, the same NMCC meeting where I met uh, Lechis. So I think, you know, I think the, it's really important to recognize the vast power of, uh, of the network that Mecha has to offer. Although there's, you know, I think um, there's a, a critique of the reinventing of the wheel on Mecha because generations seem to lose connection. But I think this is just one example of how um, generations stay connected um, and continue to do the work beyond the university and beyond um, beyond the um, the academic space and on the ground in the community. So I, I definitely I would say I, I we owe a lot to Mecha in terms of of that connection and. Um, the stepping stone in organizing and learning how to organize in, in all the different work that we do just because we're so dimensional and we all have different positionalities and identities that make us who we are and we, we, we definitely bring that to our work. Yes, thank you. Um, it definitely doesn't get as much of a credit or highlight. It's, I always see it as a, whenever it's brought up, it seems to me in like social media or spaces that folks that may not have um, been in that space, um, like a lot of critiques and negativity. Um, but I really, I also too, I feel like I learned a lot from being in the space, like, like even introduction to what 
like the zapatistas who the zapatistas are like i that was like the very first thing that i came across when i joined mecha because they were organizing that stuff and um so it is a very uh very crucial step it played a very crucial stepping stone for me too as a like personal growth and going out of my comfort zone and being able to like have critical conversations and just listen and just learn from peers and then um, be able to express myself too so uh, I, I owe a lot to that time and um I, I feel like I wouldn't even be able to do what I was doing today with where I'm where I'm at with the Achuchas like if it weren't for that experience like for sure like so and I wouldn't have met all you all um <laughs> Um, yeah, and I wouldn't have been at Tia Chuchas too, because my, my friend in Mecha took me to Tia Chuchas, like when we we're going to Cal Poly. So it does, yeah, it's just like a, a lot of uh, uh, there's there's hard times, but also a lot of a lot of learning and a lot of appreciate that time, you know. So yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, I feel the same way, Rebecca, where I I feel like Mecha and then Chicanx studies, right? Like um, being in that in that um, uh, that feel right of like knowledge and history right um, I feel like that taught me a lot I learned so much from like professors you know especially Rosa Furumoto who also introduced me to Tia Chuchas right not, not Mecha specifically but it was through the professors who were like also down to like have really like um, you know very important discussions about capitalism right uh, Zapatismo uh, I think those were like also my very first you know stepping you know stones um, where I got introduced to this whole um, organizing, right, um, community. And um, also too, I feel like now that you talk about it, how we spent so much time together with, you know, with Mechistas doing those retreats and everything, you know, spending long times, long hours doing road trips and all of that. I feel like now that I think about it, I was like, man, like, we're also like building interper interpersonal relationships, right? With one another in the retreats, right? <laughs> so, yeah. so yeah, definitely. That was, those were good times. <laughs> yeah. And um, that's, that's cool that you all took those lessons and kept going with it with what you're doing right now, um, where, with the work you're doing today. Um, I, I think also I remember in those days, I feel like even within um, the the um, the university, there was a lot of solidarity between different groups uh, for different causes. And I think that's something that's still very important that is practiced outside that, that we learn, you know, like, um, I don't know if we, we can mention the, that, you know, we, you all started a abolitionist study group and invited me to, to be part of it. And I'm really grateful for that too, is like, like keep the learning and the expanding on that, like our consciousness and like, um, which I think is important. Like it's important to keep learning and growing because things change. So, um, I, so I guess I can go into the, the abolitionist study group. And if y'all um, from last year have any reflections um felt like you had challenged uh like you say your consciousness or your actions like uh, maybe said how do you do you feel anything like that okay yeah thank you Rebecca um I think you know it's definitely one of the things I've learned is that abolition is a process right it's it's um it's always reminding myself um, to think of alternatives and to be creative with 
um, the ways that, you know, we already do things specifically relating to um, punishment and, you know, and policing and um, military and all of those things that um, have not worked for us, right? They were never meant to work for us. And um, I find myself, right, like sometimes wanting to, when I, you know, think of someone that did something and I'm like, yes, right, like, like Chauvin, like he, 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 he was, guilty at all of all counts and I'm like yeah put him in jail and then I'm like okay wait <laughs> how do I reframe this how do I feel um from the abolitionist perspective right so I definitely feel like it was a, a great way to start this process of like going in that direction um because it doesn't happen overnight um but I feel like I also not only just learned a lot but it was a great um way for me and for us as you know, brown people as people of color to really start to engage in these conversations that talk about racism, that talk about anti-blackness, that talk about, um, you know, our relationship to one another and and you know, maybe how we have, you know, um, white supremacy embedded or ingrained in, you know, in us in some ways. And so um, that was really ultimately um, what I took from that, being able to talk to y'all about it, being able to engage in conversation. And in the middle of a pandemic, right, in the middle of an uprising um, where it, we're all just tired of, you know, being treated the way we have been for the past 500 years. So um, so I, I learned a lot and I think that's what I can say, you know, for right now, but I'll let um, the other hormigas share about their experience as well. So I think um, I definitely echo what, what Lechis and Seha were sharing about the significance of what the abolitionist study group offered us. I think well, one thing that in particular that I feel was a major takeaway for me was how, how we can continue to have these conversations about um, abolition of these certain institutions that continue to create harm in our communities. One major concept that really, really engaged me was um, the concept of racial capitalism, um, which then made us think about the intersectionality of all these issues just beyond not just race and class and capital, but also how this violence, this historical violence was um, affecting and impacting various other communities, right? I know for us, when we participated and some of these actions um, was uh, it was important for us to center that as part of the the resistance effort. Um, so that meant for us really, you know, going out there and, and and making that part of the 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 resistance narrative, right? Um, in particular, how do we intersect, you know, these issues of race, with class, gender, uh, sexuality, immigration status, um, language. You know, I think that was one of the also the major uh, takeaways from from the abolitionist study group is the the intersectionality that that we should be thinking about as well, um, especially for folks who are part of these like uh, historically rich communities who continue to be historically marginalized in very very violent ways. Um, Marcos. 
Yeah, I think for me, um, I definitely appreciate it that we, you know, were able to have the opportunity to even engage in this type of conversations. Um, one, I did want to give credit, though, um, to the journal that we're talking about. And so that's the um, Abolition Journal, um, and it can be found on abolitionjournal.org. Um, and it's really well put together in terms of, you know, um, um, really kind of breaking things down and depicting excuse me, what that looks like on a weekly basis, whether it's with readings um, or videos and being able to contextualize everything. Um, so I really appreciated kind of the, the, the content and what that what it included and how that looked like. Um, but, you know, um, just kind of personally, what I appreciated was being, uh, like I mentioned earlier, being able to have those conversations. But also being able to have the, like um, Lechi's mentioned earlier, the, the language or the vocabulary to be able to articulate what is it that we wanna articulate when it comes to abolition work or when it comes to um, envisioning a world where police doesn't exist or you know how do we engage in a conversation with someone who's very pro-police or you know stuff like that and so I feel that the curriculum itself gave us um, kind of a, a various approaches to be to do that and to kind of think um, differently and what we can do in those situations so that's definitely um, a big takeaway that I really um, enjoyed from having the abolitionist um, um, group sessions together. So uh, let's see, um, how about, do y'all have any, um, I guess now that you are in your, what year, 10, was it 10? 10 years, like how are y'all like um, with this, let's say this, this uh, abolition work and has that like impacted anything like uh, influenced you all in your future work with the, now that you're celebrating 10 years? I wouldn't, well, I don't know if I can attest that, you know, there's been kind of actual changes that we can identify. Um, I know that we've definitely try to keep ourselves accountable in terms of really kind of questioning or I mean, asking ourselves, you know, how do we um, either, you know, approach things from an abolitionist perspective or how do we, you know, either ensure that we're supporting or that we're being pro-Black or kind of, you know, or just kind of holding people accountable in that sense. Um, and then also, you know, it also, it fits in a very kind of particular kind of point in time because we've been in kind of throughout the pandemic. So in terms of like events and stuff like that, that, you know, that um, I would maybe say that things have changed. That's where we're, I, I wouldn't, that's why I wouldn't say that I can attest to something because we've been kind of um, unfortunately stagnant on that kind of point in terms of, because um, we're limited with the pandemic. But I don't know if folks want to add anything else. Yeah, no, I think um, I agree that yes, you know, there are limitations in the past year, but um, we've always had, um, an understanding of the role that police, you know, play in our communities, right? That is, it's not a positive one. And um, we've done work with um, Cop Watch LA and or workshops with them to try to inform the community about the origins of policing. So um, it's definitely, it's definitely, um, I want to say confidently that it's always been a part of our work from the beginning, right? Um, having folks in our um, 
in our household and in our community that are undocumented as well or migrant um is the it's it's having that understanding right that um that the police and immigration are you know all in one the military the same and um i think that what what this study guide change for us like um it was mentioned earlier is giving us um more of the of of the language maybe that could be used moving forward right i think that um blm has done such a good job with putting forth like a lot of these kind of um propositions right like defund the police um and i can't think of other ones but i think that one's like huge right where it's like we're really tapping into like how do we how do we start breaking down these structures that have been in place for so long um that have for also a very long time from its you know beginning not worked for um for black and brown people right and so um so yeah i mean we'll see where it takes us after this pandemic and you know um i'm excited to apply some of that um yes right yeah i was just gonna share that i also feel like in um in many ways um it's also shifted our frame of analysis um, in terms of how we understand um, our solidarity work moving forward um, with the black community. Um, uh, and I think this kind of falls in line with what Bestia was saying, um, not very tangible per se yet because of the limitations we have, but I know for sure when I think about how that abolition study group informed our work, we definitely had a lot of conversations um, over the summer about um, analyzing the situation in relation to police brutality um, and the impact on the Black community and what our role was in terms of all of that um, as a collective. Um, so y'all are celebrating your 10 years. Is there anything you would like to say about that? And, um, how are you all like <laughs> celebrating, um, about how you're all celebrating your work? Um, maybe let's just, uh, are we celebrating those 10 years? Yeah. Um, well, it was it was a process, right? Trying to figure out how we we're gonna do this during a pandemic, right? Um, but I guess the first um, thing that we wanted to do is to share, you know, uh, through social media, specifically Instagram and Facebook, um, to to share all the work that you know that has been done through El Hormiguero, um, either like our you know events that we have organized here or like people um events from other folks you know community members that have used the space to you know um to do what you know their workshops or whatever events they were going to do um so yeah just you know um we started we started an archiving process uh, project right uh, where we started gathering um pictures flyers um 
even like the very first pamphlets that we started that we created during the beginning during the beginning of you know I love Miguel. Um, so it was it's a it was a very nice process to to go back right and then see all the work that has been done throughout these ten years and then the pictures of everybody right um, all the different people that has come by. Um, but yeah, it's um, that's a way that we have been um, you know doing this uh, this celebration and um, also too we have been um, working on a zine um, also as part of the anniversary right of like 10 years of work and um, we, we would like to share what that looks like right uh, what does it mean to live in a collective and um, uh, organizing in a collective way as well so um, the scene has been a work in progress as well, and then we are very close to um, to finishing the the you know the final product. So, uh, skipping eye out on that. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Um, so, I was wondering, since we're talking about ten years in memory lane, do you all uh, mind? sharing maybe a memory your favorite memory of an event or something that you've had together um you can be an event or even just y'all as like roommates like maybe i can go we can go around <laughs> something that stuck out to you um i have a couple you know i think that it's been 10 years so it's hard it's hard to narrow down but i want to say like I remember our very first anniversary, which was here at our home a year. We were celebrating a year of work and I think it was really exciting time of like, you know, these kind of new beginnings. And so we had like La Santa Cecilia perform and we had a bunch of friends and community here, right? To, um, you know, and that's how we usually celebrate our, you know, our anniversary is just having a big gathering, um, whether we're at the park or here, I think, we've done different approaches but I also remember um we were part of um maybe someone over my uh, can correct me but it was it was like it was we were part of La Escuelita it was like a virtual format and it was really amazing to like have you know project on our living room which is our, our little theater space that we you know created and having like the Zapatistas there um sharing palabras, sharing knowledge, and, you know, all of us just ready to learn and hungry for information to, um, you know, being in the, in the garage and um, working the, you know, the bike mechanic shop with Bike Sonics and, you know, co community, like literally coming in and leaving with the brand new bike, you know, I think Rebecca yourself um, got a bike here, right? Oh, yeah. And yeah, and I love that. I love that because I, even Tapatio was mentioned earlier. Um, they had a bike for years. That was their like form of public transportation that they got here from our garage, from you know our project. And um, so there's so many, but those are just some that just really like stand out that um, you know forever remember. Yeah, for me, it's, it's so hard to identify like one specific event or moment because there's so many thinking back over 10 years and it's just amazing to think 10 years that we've lived together um the four of us and also with other housemates across time carlos justin and susie and rosalilia 
I think um, for sure I agree with Seca that first anniversary we had was very, uh, very memorable um, in so many different ways. Um, from the abundance of community that showed up to dance to La Santa Cecilia's uh, special guest performance, to the the vendors they came to support in the back, to you know get us giving them like a tour of the house, which was very exciting to us to show them what uh, the way that we envision our home as a collective space for the community. That's one exciting memory that I definitely look back on. Um, but I definitely, when I think about like something, like a sentimental moment for the house is the process of finding the house. Um, you know, this house wasn't the house that initially we were looking at. We were looking at one particular house on the hill, which was not a very suitable house for living, unfortunately. And then, you know, going further up the hill and finding a house that was totally like out of reach and it ended up that it was uh for sale not for rent and we we came down the hill and we see this house with the sign outside and somehow like in at least you know speaking for myself you know in my my intuition told me that you know this was going to be our home um and i think <laughs> i'm not sure if folks can remember us getting down from the car and walking over and looking through the window and seeing through the living room and we see the, the the patio in the back and we got excited. And somehow I knew that this was gonna be our home without, you know, us, um, <laughs> Bestia took the sign down, <laughs> without us really uh, going through the process, right, of, of renting the house out. But I, I do feel like that moment was very memorable. Um, and it's something that I know that I when I think back is gonna be one of those sincere moments that I think about in the in the history of the Lord Yeah, I it's it's very hard to choose one like Brian say, but I feel like all events that have happened here at the house hold a very special place in my heart, right? Uh, from like anniversaries, um you know, hip hop cafes, right? Talking about, you know, Kendrick Lamar's, you know, how to, you know, pimp a butterfly, right? Having like very deep conversations about that specific like album, right? And inviting people over to have those conversations. Um, Halloween celebrations, right? Uh, specifically the haunted maze that we created in the garage. That was, for me, that was like really fun, right? Like we, I like to think of like all these um, processes that we went through, right? To have all these creative ideas and to put them into action and right and seeing them, you know, come to life, you know, um, come to life and yeah, all of those and having people over, you know, children, families, uh, those are just very special moments. And uh, I miss that, right? And then having all the fandangos, right? Everything, I think all of the events have a very special, uh, meaning uh, for me and um, yeah and then also too I guess the, the pandemic right a year of us um, you know it was five of us and then it was four and you know having to to navigate that right um, and it's like a whole a whole new process of getting to know each other once again right and uh, rebuilding those interpersonal relationships, um, you know, specific, specifically during this pandemic that has been very challenging for many. Um, but yeah, it's, I think all, everything that has happened, it has a very special meaning. 
Um, I just wanted to share that when y'all were talking, a lot of other stuff kept, you know, flashing and just even like thinking about how many, um, how many guests we've had, you know, come through the house, whether it's people that just needed an, a night to stay, folks that were, you know, on tour, like we've had Mare, we've had like, like fandangueros that, you know, that like, um, that have stayed here and it's just pretty cool to to know that people like knew about us and knew about El Hormiguero and you know reached out to us to like for different things whether it was hosting them or just like having an event having a workshop oh yeah los cojolites they stayed here um it was Benito, <laughs> Benito it was Benito yeah oh, from los cojolites. Benito. <laughs> wow. yeah. yeah and I think about all that right I'm like damn and I, I think we had some students um our very first Hip Hop Cafe, we had students from Chile. Was it Chile? Yeah, and they were coming around talking about their popular movements. And so all of that is, is pretty amazing to know that we've made those, like, connections, you know. Um, so I'm really proud of that, too. And also, when was that time when we had that big old group of high school students? Uh, and then they all, like, stayed over, they stayed over with, like, wow. you know, the teacher. And then, like... We were trying to make as much space as possible that some of them stayed like on the second floor, you know, um, but I forget what they came for, uh, but they, they came down and they knew about Hormiguero, you know, and they were like, they're all really excited to like be here and to learn more about the house and the work that we like we were doing. But yeah, just things like those, right? That you're like, oh my God, right? So many people like Teja was saying, and it's just hard to believe. It's, that was um a connection to through Trini, okay. and it was La Escuela, what is it called, La, La Escuela, it's in Nuevo Mexico, and remember? No, it was another, it was that one? It was oh, another, was it oh, that one. Okay, there's so many. <laughs> so, but yeah, so, I mean, I, I, este, I wanted to just kind of piggyback on kind of the, the diversity of, you know, like, say how I was saying of our guests. Um, I feel like, you know, we've had people from like Canada, like we've had people from like, you know, different places. Um, and so, um, you know, whether it's workshops, whether it be maestros that, you know, the fandangueros have invited over where it's, you know, to create marimboles, you know, to create music, um, or just even us having kind of the privilege to even host um, La Escuelita and stuff like that, you know, especially from the Zapatistas. I, I just think it's very valuable um, that, you know, at least for us, it started as this kind of small vision for ourselves in terms of how we wanted to build and live together. And so now, you know, after, you know, a decade of working and being in community with folks, you know, a lot of people look at El Hormiguero as a, as a space to, you know, bring in their events and kind of use us as a resource for them to also kind of share that. So, you know, it's, it's, hum it's humbling to know kind of, how we've grown um, either individually, collectively, and also in community after a decade, so. Yeah, I think I would also add um, on the whole uh, network and community building um, uh, here at the house is the, the opportunity that many of us have had in being able to carry the, the word, the palabra of our work in other spaces outside of like the Valley or LA. And I think that's also been very pivotal to those relationships we build with people. Um, 
I know, for example, um, Rosalilia, Susie, Seja, uh, Carlos, Justin, and myself had, had the opportunity once or several times to go to Zapatista communities and to learn about their work and their practices um, and then share about our work here at Lormiguero and then bring back the knowledge that we learned there and share with Hormigas here and continue to do that work. Or even when we just gone to other places, right? And try to connect and build with other uh, communities. Like for example, Su Susie Seca and Bestia when they went up to Flagstaff to um, defend the peaks and build and be in solidarity with indigenous communities there. Um, or when I've gone to other places um, for like academic conferences and seeking out community spaces to even just drop off some uh, some pamphlets or share the work that we're doing. Um, um, or even, you know, staying connected with Mecha when we did those workshops or when we did youth conference workshops like at UC Santa Barbara. Um, I think all of those have also been important to the work that we're doing in terms of building um, in addition to folks that have come and stayed with us at the house from all different parts of the U.S., Canada, Mexico, South America, like folks have mentioned. Thank you. Um, so I was wondering if I could ask all of you all if you have, like each of you all have something, one last thing you would like to say um, to like uh, something to highlight, maybe a lesson learned um, as we potentially could close this podcast segment. I can start. So in terms of lesson learned, I feel like um, at least for uh, personally and something that's very vital uh, when it comes to our collective at El Hormiguero is, you know, interpersonal um, relationships. And so just, you know, having said that, you know, it's really important how, um, you know, through this decade, um, even though some of us have known each other prior to that, uh, oh goodness, we're like, over quinceanera, like knowing some of us. Um, but um, como se dice? I just think it's vital to know that we can count on each other and to really know that that's been kind of the foundation of what's made um, our collective work and, uh, and what's made, you know, the four of us, you know, still be here today. Um, you know, we began with six people and, you know, um, out of those six, the four of us were um, have been here throughout the whole time. And so that, you know, I feel like that in itself speaks to our work that speaks to just kind of, you know, the foundation of our collective and what it looks like. And, you know, um, I know there's been kind of conversations in terms of what, uh, how El Hormiguero can continue um, or what that would look like in the future. Um, but in terms of how I feel um, um, something that's helped has been the interpersonal relationship. First of all, I feel like I just, I wanna thank all the people that have been instrumental in shaping who I am, you know, getting to this point. I think, um, you know, Rebecca, your questions were, you know, really good in terms of reminding, taking me through like this kind of like timeline, right, of like where I come from and um, where I am now. And so I think, um, you know, bringing up um, our professors, you know, Sirena, who introduced me to, um, to Zapatismo, 
to like Trini who hired me on the spot at the Achuchas, you know, and and um, all the elders, all the folks, all the young people that have really like, um, we've shared space with, you know, all these years, you know, people come and go, people come through here and some we stay in touch with, some you don't just because life happens, right? And so I feel like there's been so many lessons that I've learned living in this house um, that I'm like grateful for all of them. Um, it's definitely shaped me. And um, este, I think one of the things that I really feel that it's helped me with is my communication and learning to, you know, um, it's not, it's still not always easy, but it's allowed me to kind of like step into this role of like learning how to, you know, communicate with each other. And I always tell this story because when we were do our first workshop, um, when we were, when we, you know, when we were in Arizona and we did the national conference, um, we started doing a workshop um, on collective living. And I remember, and I share it because it's funny now, but it, it was like maybe the first couple weeks, maybe months that I was living here. And uh, I remember we had a coffee table in the living room, right? And um, Brian, <laughs> I'm not trying to call you out. I'm just sharing the story, right? Brian had left the cup on the table. And I remember be feeling so frustrated that it hadn't been picked up, right? But I realized that my frustration was because I had simply not communicated, right? That, hey, the, the, the cup is on the table, right? And so um, going from that to like where Brian and I are now, right? Where we can literally talk about anything and everything, whether it's like really deep and honest conversations to, you know, just fooling around and making fun of each other all day. So I feel like all of that with each other, we've been building, right? In the past 10 years. And um, I encourage people to, to really try it, you know, um, I think it's it's a way for, it's definitely a way to, you know, um, live with each other in the circumstances that we have with like cost of living, um, to like share in the expenses, share in the responsibilities. Um, but also it's, you know, in so many ways, it's like, it's like anti-system, right? Anti-systemic and um, building collectives that are really rooted in, in the work, in, um, not only just putting the work in the community, but putting the work in with yourself internally, right? Constantly, every day. Um, so I encourage folks and always like reach out to us if you have questions, you know, we're ready to answer them and hopefully help you on your next steps with, you know, other people trying to build collectives and collective homes too. Thank you. I definitely, I think I would echo what's already been said um just not to be repetitive um i think for me one of the central takeaways to our 10 years here with and i think this goes with any you know organizing collective work and for us the the added layer of of living together and learning how to navigate that and and to build those interpersonal relationships has been knowing that yes it's gonna be hard work in many ways but it's also very very fulfilling work in many other ways as been it's been as it's been expressed so I feel like that's one of the main takeaways for me um you know I definitely echo the the lesson of communication which is central to all our work um whether it's organizing to just living together has also been uh something that I'm very um proud of that i know that i've really tried to develop and grow into more 
um, individually and collectively, uh, which has been the biggest lesson, uh, one of the biggest lessons. Um, and I think at the end of the day, you know, when I reflect on the work that we've done and where we continue to go, looking back, I'm extremely grateful for everyone in this home um, because of the experiences and the loving relationships that we have. And also extremely grateful for every person that's walked into this door and supported us in very many different ways. And I think that's instrumental to the, state, the sustainability of this home um, is that love from our community and that we've had over the 10 years. So I definitely wanna, um, you know, acknowledge that and center that as part of our foundation is the love from our community and the reciprocity. Um, one thing that really stands out, you know, after um, being here for 10 years, I feel like it's, it's the, the support that we have from, you know, each other and um, feeling like, you know, just saying that this is my second family, right? Like it really comes from like the heart, right? And um, knowing too that, um, that if we still like are struggling with something, right? Or like, I'll, I'll speak for myself that, you know, communication is still like a work in progress, right? Um, that I know that folks here are, you know, not, they're not gonna come at me in a very like, in a judgmental way, but instead of like, instead they're providing this constructive criticism, right? If something is, is you know, not going right, or if they notice that something's happening, right? Um, you know, that they, they tell you or that we talk about it, right? And that we provide that space to have those, you know, very interpersonal discussions. Um, that, and also to that, uh, what else? Um, oh my God, I'm having a brain fart. But yeah, th that that space, right, that we create for each other uh, to be able to talk, right? And then to, to have those reflections, right? Of like, how is it that we can, um, you know, be better, a better person, you know, um, as we continue to grow right together. Um, so I think that that's very meaningful for me. And um, the fact that, you know, we have um, also just met so many people and then having, you know, we have learned from, from so many, you know, workshops and I'm also very grateful for that. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just amazing how, you know, like I said, it's just, I, I feel like I continue to, you know, just still like, I'm still like, learning and working towards, you know, um, you know, how to, you know, how to communicate something that's bothering me, right? Even though like, it, uh, it's, it's hard sometimes, right? So, but um, I feel like here I feel, you know, I feel um, like I can do that. And, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna um, feel like I'm getting, um, I don't know, reprimanded or anything like that, right? So, um, I think I take a lot from that. Thank you for sharing that. Um, very important, very, very important lessons um, that, that uh, thank you Jessica, for sharing those lessons and um, apply how to apply it, you know, to our lives. That's something I have a hard time with too, but I really inspired, I'm inspired by y'all's work and um, the way, um, yeah, just that yeah, you've been going at it for at least 10 years and 
um, you know, thank you for, for having that having that space and putting in the work so that uh, our communities can come together and keep learning and um, from each other and keep imagining the world that, you know, where many worlds fit, right? So um, does anybody have any shout outs or announcements or something to call us support um, uh, y'all like um, before we close? Um, are your, how we follow you or something like that? Uh, I want to give a shout out to the other former Hormigas, uh, Carlos, Rosalilia, uh, Susie, and, and Justin, who also had, um, who also um, took part of like what El Hormiguero is now, right? So they all had, um, they all, you know, contributed in their, in, in their own way and El Hormiguero is what it is because of them as well. Thank you. And you can follow us on Instagram at Ormiguero818. And we are not the best at social media, but we do our best. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you'll hear from us when, you know, when things come up, we, we make sure to use that as a, a lifeline, um, uh, especially right now. So uh, yeah, give us a follow. Uh, shout out to uh, Tia Chuchas for always being a, a great supporter of our work. Um, and also, we will be doing some, hopefully, uh, future uh, fundraisers to help us with our archiving process. So definitely keep an eye out on the Hormiguero uh, IG for, for those updates. And thank you to the folks that have already supported. And like I said, continue to support our work. Um, and thank you, Rebecca, for asking us to be a part of this. <laughs> Big yes, shout out to thank you. Thank you. Shout out to Rebecca. Un aplauso para Rebecca. And you. also to continue the efforts of um, archiving with El Hormiguero and documenting the past 10 years. If folks have any memories or, you know, any pictures or videos that you've taken, if you've visited El Hormiguero, uh, we would greatly appreciate if you can send that to us. Um, you can either, as Seja said, send it to us at Hormiguero818 on Instagram or Hormiguero818 at gmail.com. Thank you again for joining us. Please remember to subscribe to our podcast and follow Tia Chuchas on social media. Please support our online bookstore. You can find the links in our podcast bio. Stay safe, stay creative. Tiawi.